As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. We say what they can't radio. Hello, 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 family. Melanated Universe. Welcome back to our Melanated Universe, where uh, we can have positive conversations on how we can further uplift the black community, the melanated community. Um, I know I'm a lo- it looks a little bit strange today. Uh, the missus is not here today. Uh, the reason she's not here today because she is now 39 weeks. And we are on the second floor, and that's a lot of steps. <laughs> so she decided to sit this one out, and um, you're stuck with me today, family, um, which is not a bad thing. Uh, first off, I want to start off with my business my business highlights, like we usually do. Um, today, I want to shout out uh, my black business shout-out goes to Young G's Clothing. Young G's. G apostrophe S clothing. You can check him out on, uh, check them out on, um, on IG. Uh, they produce uh, a lot of fashion wear, you know, shirts, hats, apparel. Um, check them out. Uh, uh, well, what, what I, what I, what I really want to mention though is that I, I, I know, um, I don't know if he's the sole owner or, or part owner, but I know one of the owners personally. And, you know, I've known him for a couple of years. Uh, our daughters go to the same Girl Scouts and, uh, you know, always, always, always pleasant, you know, always helpful, you know, just, just, and, and, and very into, to, to, um, from appearances, uh, very into his, uh, daughter's life. And I love to see that. I love to see when melanated men are actively involved, you know, not saying that there's a shortage of us being involved. I don't buy into that narrative. I think there's a lot of us. I think more of us than not are very involved or try to be involved in our children's lives. And um, we're just not giving credit for it. So I'm just shouting him out in his business. Check him out on IG. And that's uh, Young G's Clothing. All right. Check it out. And uh, now for our topic of today. Oh, boy. This one is going to be heavy. All right. And I don't got the missus here to help me carry it. So bear with me. Um, but the topic for today is mental health issues in the black community. All right. Mental health issues in the black community. Now, mental health is is, is very much taboo in, uh, in a lot of the uh, circles that I, I grew up in. And I'm not quite sure why it is taboo. But somewhere along the line, we've been conditioned to uh, think that if someone is um, suffering from a type of mental illness, that 
they are irredeemable. There's, there's something, there's a character flaw in that person, you know, and the truth is it's, it's, it's not a character flaw, you know, it, it, it's an illness, but it's an illness that unlike a physical illness where, you know, if the person's arm is hanging off, you go, Hey, I can see that person has a problem. Uh, they, they have an, uh, urgent medical issue, you know, mental illness is just as urgent. But it's more insidious because you can't see it. Oftentimes, you can't see it. Uh, I'll start off with a personal story of mine. Um, I've mentioned before that I was in the military. And uh, relating to this topic, you know, it, 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 it affects me in a more personal way because I, I have PTSD from my military service. And... Um, it is, it is manageable because I manage it. Right. And, uh, for many years though, I didn't know I did. I, I didn't, I thought I was fine. I grew up in a very old school kind of environment. You know, as a man, you're taught to just tough it out. You know, the weak break and the strong keep going, you know? So I was, I, like, for me, I never considered that, uh, something might have been different <laughs> after my military service. But the thing about, uh, unlike, unlike physical illness, uh, mental illness, usually the patient is most times the last one to find out that something is wrong. Everyone else will find out before that person because they can more clearly see the changes. And, um, you know, it, it, it expressed itself in many ways. Me and my wife arguing all the time. Uh, me, like outside of, let me, let me tell you one thing. And I'm going to tell you this a thousand times, right? No matter the situation, I do not support any kind of abuse in a relationship. So, no, my PTSD has not caused me to abuse my wife um, in the sense of putting hands on her. Uh, now, I'm pretty sure them arguments that we got into, uh, like, all the, the, the period of time where we went through of arguing a lot, you know, that was probably part of my PTSD expressing itself. More likely it was, you know, and uh, because when you got PTSD, uh, post-traumatic stress disorder, you know, everyone is the enemy. And if you're put in an environment where you're uh, you're experiencing consistent trauma. Uh, where you have to be guarded all the time, you know, it, it is it is out of that environment that PTSD is born. It doesn't even have to be consistent trauma. You can be in a car accident on the highway, and then after that, you'd be terrified to drive on the highway ever again. That is a form of PTSD expressing itself. It's after the trauma, you're still reliving the trauma. Uh, unfortunately for me, the trauma was combat. Um, being in a combat environment, um, not knowing where exactly danger might appear from, so just always being ready. Uh, I don't think people take into account that when you're in the military, uh, well, they don't even know until we tell you. And we don't really like talking about it much. But um, when when we go to war, well, when I went to war, it was uh, during the invasion stages. And war wasn't a nine to five job. It's a 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 a year. You're in constant, you're on constant alert. So. If you're in constant alert and, you know, and, and when you, when you come out of that, 
you know, the mind and the body, they work very similarly, right? So if you make a tight fist as tight as you can and just hold it for about five minutes, to, you know, you feel like your fingernails are going into your flesh, right? And then you try to open your hand, automatically your hand is going to try to close back. Why is that? Muscle memory, that's what some people call it, right? Um, it, it's the same thing with the mind. If you're in a mental if you're mentally conditioned in a certain environment, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 a year, when you come out of that environment, physically, mentally, you're still there. Um, you know, speaking about this over the years made me think about uh, people in prison. And it hit me that every... Uh, Every, every inmate must suffer to some extent PTSD, uh, ex-cons, you know, PTSD. You're in a 24-hour-a-day hostile environment. You got to be on high alert all the time, you know. Um, however, uh, coming out of the military, uh, I was, uh, I, I, I believe they could have done a better job at preparing us, um, Coming out of the military, in the military, before we went to war, talking about the psychological effects and uh, just being aware of your mind state. I think if if that was added to uh, the many instructions that we got, then, you know, a lot less uh, GIs would have came back home uh, as damaged as they did. Um, but. Mental illness in our community, um, no one, let's talk about it. So when I started expressing, instead of my family uh, and friends saying, hey, some something might be wrong with Dwayne. <laughs> He's not the way he was before he left. Um, the immediate response was, was, was that as, as if I'm just turning into a bad person. Now, if the person with the illness is the last one to see it, right, and everyone starts, and through my eyes, throwing you shade, you like, you get defensive. Why are you, why are you guys behaving like this? I can't see something's wrong with me. No one explained it to me. No one communicated that with me. But thank God that I got a wife that, uh, she, she communicates effectively. <laughs> right? And, uh, I, I, I was in denial for a long time. And finally, she, she, hey, look, listen. Either you go get some help or else you're not going to have this family. So I went and got some help because, listen, you got my attention. You got 100 percent of my attention because we don't make we don't we don't we don't say things like that. So when that was said, it was like, whoa, OK, this must be serious. I got to take it seriously, you know, and it's only through uh, therapy and talking about things. I, there was things I forgot. Like, it was just completely out of my mind. If you had asked me about it, I consciously wouldn't have remembered it. But these were traumatic events. So the more I talked about the the, the experiences I had back there that I had uh, stopped talking about, buried them away, the more new memories started uh, uh, surfacing. And I didn't, I really forgot how, how, how bad it was because now you relive it and you relive those feelings again. But the beauty about therapy folks and black people, my melanated people, there's nothing wrong with therapy. If you get hurt on the job, you go to physical therapy, right? So there's nothing wrong with some mental therapy. 
there's times where you're going to need help. So my, my the, with, with therapy, it allowed me to go back and, and properly process emotionally process what it was that I had dealt with because a funny thing happens when you're a soldier, you know, when you're a soldier, well, when you're at war, when you're at war, especially if it's like constant danger, you don't really get a chance to process what you're feeling. You go through the motions almost like a robot. Because you don't have the luxury to let your emotions get in the way. So it's like, do the job, stay focused. That's what's going to save you. You know, do the job, stay focused. You lose focus, you lose your life. So you don't process emotions, especially intense emotions, because that can distract you and a distraction can cost you your life. So my first combat tour was about eight months and my second one was 13 months. And there was only about a four to five month gap in between. So I never really got a chance to process those feelings. I had to go back now, talk about it, and process the feelings that I didn't process before. Because if I didn't do it that way, then I was going to continually act out. Like Meaning there were things that would remind me, or remind my subconscious about these events, because I couldn't consciously remember them. But it's still there. So when something would subconsciously remind me of these events, that would be what they call a trigger to bring out the behavior that I found uh, uh, most useful to get me out of that danger zone, which was, you know, my training, you know, maybe uh, meet aggression with more aggression. You know, um, the military will drill you in things over and over and over and over again and. You know, I didn't realize at the time, but that's a form of brainwashing. And when you drilling things over and over again, it drops into your subconscious. So if something happened, you will start your subconscious starts it, it, your subconscious controls 99 percent of your day. You just don't understand that it's in the background making the decisions. You think your conscious mind is making these decisions for you. So a lot of times you will act out. Now, that's just with PTSD. But our people suffer with so much trauma. Trauma, trauma is the key that causes a lot of mental illnesses. And our people are constantly exposed to trauma. We are one of the most traumatized people on the face of the planet Earth. Like who experiences more trauma than, than melanated people? And if you can come up with an answer, go ahead and send us an email. All right. At, at melanated, uh, universe 98 at gmail. Send us an email. Tell me. Tell me what it is that, that who else is, 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 has been through more trauma and is still enduring more trauma than the melanated people on this planet. Right. So it's, it's only natural and logical that we would have the most, uh, mental issues. Unfortunately, in our communities, oftentimes it's taboo. We don't want to talk about it. It doesn't make you seem manly. It makes you seem weak. That's not true. It doesn't make you seem weak. What makes you seem weak is because you're afraid to face the boogeyman in the closet. You go outside and you act out in other ways that you feel more comfortable. And the truth is, you just need to go ahead and face the boogeyman in the closet. Um, I mentioned it uh, a few shows ago. You know, uh, we have to start changing the environment in the culture. We got to start. We, we, it's us. We can do it. Stop blaming the man. Stop blaming the government. Um, we are the ones that have the power to change, uh, the conditions inside of our culture just by choosing a different way, 
right? How would, how would I like to be, how would I like to experience my day? I would like to experience my day when I run into other melanated people. You know, it brings me warmth. I feel, I feel a sense of belonging, a sense of security, a sense of, 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 of well-being. You know, how, how would someone convey that to me? And I think about it and it's just speak, speak pleasantly. It don't hurt. Your brain just tells you it hurts because we've been conditioned to just be so hostile to each other. But just speak. Speak to random melanated people that you don't know. It's an exercise. And because if you've never done that before, you're going to be weak. If you never did a push-up before, what's the odds you're going to do two push-ups back to back? Exactly. Go out there and strengthen that muscle. Speak. Hey, how you doing? Don't even wait for a response sometimes because I don't sometimes like I'm 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 not going to lie. I'm still recovering from 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 the traumas of white supremacy, racism. You know, Uh, I I still sometimes fall into that mindset that the melanated man that's approaching me is somehow dangerous. Somehow a problem or could be a problem. So when I find I'm aware of that now, I'm aware of that programming that goes on. So, you know. Um, a way to defeat that programming is that when now I see a melanated person coming towards me, if I get any kind of uncomfortable feeling, I'll speak pleasantly. And I won't even wait for an answer because it, it's the way I feel doesn't depend on the reaction. It's me setting the tone. I'm taking initiative and setting the tone. Hey, good afternoon. You know, sometimes they look at you because this is New York, people. <laughs> so sometimes they look at you like, well, what the hell are you talking to me for? And that's all right because I I didn't say it for the for the reaction like it's all right, you know like I put that positive energy out there now, you know, quite often I do get, hey how you doing like I with a surprised look on their face right, and I'm surprised too that they actually said something back but you know then it, then there's a there's a there's a moment there there's a moment there where you know it's like wow we can do better and then we just keep it moving, we keep it moving mental health um. Speaking of mental health, you know, I, I couldn't have planned this, but I, I have a friend that's going through a personal situation right now. And he called me up and he, and, and, and he, 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 he broke down crying. I never heard this man cry a day in my life, right? And he was at the brink of, of, of expressing some hurt through violence. And I know him. I know him. Uh, I know him from the military. So immediately I'm like, okay, I need to to de-escalate this situation because I don't want my buddy to do something stupid. So I'm like, what happened? Tell me what happened. Talk about it. And, you know, at first he wasn't crying. I think, yeah, he wasn't crying it for shortly, like seconds after I said that. He just, the dam's broke. He's he's like, man, I want to do da-da-da-da-da-da. I want to do this to that, this to that. I let him vent. And I said, go ahead, keep telling me about it, man. Tell me all that shit. Cry harder too while you're at it. That might confuse most people. The reason I told him cry hard, harder while you're at it is because emotions gotta come out. There's no ignoring emotions. I know we think we can do that, but we can't. There's no ignoring, there's no ignoring that. It's gonna come out. And if you don't allow it to come out one way, if you don't choose how it's going to come out, it's going to choose how it's going to come out. And oftentimes that's a destructive way. So I wanted him to vent. I wanted him to tell me all of it. Go ahead. Cry hard. Cry harder. And I was saying stuff to just, you know, allow him to feel that pain. 
Most people don't understand the method, that method to the madness. But then I talked to him today on the way here and he was like, man, you saved my life. <laughs> right? Because you was there to listen. And all I wanted somebody to do was just listen and, and just give me a chance to get this off my chest. A lot of times we as black men, just melanated people, period. We feel like there's no one to talk to. We worry about if we talk about our deepest, darkest problems with our closest uh, uh, associates, that someday that person's going to throw that thing back up in your face. What about a code of behavior? What happened to the code of behavior that we used to have? Certain things that you just don't do. If you give your word, then you stand on it or, 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 or pass out trying to stand on it. But you're going to try your best to stand on it. Give your word. Hold, like, don't betray friends. Like, trust. If you say it to me, then it stays here unless you want it to go somewhere else. But it ain't going to come from me again. Like, we got to start building these bonds, people. Like if we don't if we if we don't start coming together and helping each other heal, we gonna self destruct. Now I'm just talking about the military, but there's a lot of mental illness in our community from all kinds of things: sexual abuse, sexual abuse. Another thing we don't like talking about, we kind of sweep it under the rug. Hope nobody talk about it. Yeah, sexual abuse is real. It happens. Now, how many people would look at me like surprised? I told you I was sexually abused. I was sexually abused. Oh, yeah. Everybody like, oh, man, what the hell? What? What? What happened to him? I'm going to tell you what happened. My mom had a boyfriend when I was five years old. And he had a daughter that was about 13. And one night I'm asleep. At, we used to live, stay at their house, and I'm asleep. She came in the room and got me, the daughter, took me on the couch, took off her clothes, and tried to make me have sex with her. I was five years old. I didn't even have a pea shooter yet. <laughs> but I understood that this was something that we probably shouldn't have been doing. It felt weird. Right? Now, oh, by the way, mom, now you know. So she didn't know before, right? But I talked to my wife about it for many years, like since we met. My first sexual encounter was when I was five. And then talking to more black men, guess what I found out? A lot of us had early sexual encounters. I'd say more than the majority of us that I, that melanated men I speak to have had childhood early. I'm talking early. I mean, pre-11, before 11. Sexual encounters. Now, how many of you got kids out there? Look at your kid. Imagine your pre-11-year-old getting exposed to something like that. Right? See, for me growing up, I didn't understand that that damage happened there. I actually went up most of my life thinking that, well, the younger part of my life thinking that that was an accomplishment. Because <laughs> little boys get together and be like, so what did you do? How far did you go? Oh, yeah, it got two holes, not one hole. And you start telling stories and, you know, you get credit for having the most sexual experience. That's the environment I grew up in. And you could always tell who lying because they say something crazy. Like, no, it had four holes. Like, what? You're still a virgin. <laughs> but I thought it was something to be proud of. I started first. I got older. I realized that 
that wasn't supposed to happen. Now, I'm pretty sure that affected me in some kind of way. Maybe the fact that I got a real high sex drive, that might come from that experience right there because it says that people who experience early childhood sexual trauma usually have some kind of uh, uh, sexual deviancy going on or something like that, you know. Maybe, maybe I could have been a nympho or something, you know. But not to get off topic, the topic is that it happened. It happened. Now, I'm not blaming that girl. I'm not. I'm not blaming her. She was a child, too. We were both children. So something had to happen to her for her to even have that in her mind, for her to want to do some stuff like that to me. Where'd she get it from? It's about healing. It's not about pointing the blame finger. It's about healing, recognizing that it happened, and how do I heal forward from here? How do I do that? By recognizing what happened, accepting what happened, and making sure that I make better choices and also communicate what happened with me so other people can make better choices. Now, with somebody else, maybe, who knows what would have happened? Who knows what would have happened if it was somebody? If it was a dude, who knows what would have happened? Do we know that regardless if admitted or not, the majority of melanated homosexuals have experienced childhood, early childhood sexual trauma? Why nobody talk about that? Why is it easier to say I was born a homosexual than to admit that something terrible happened to you? Why? Because society tells us that being a homosexual is accepted but being a, a a victim of child molestation is looked down upon. It's like a shame attached to it. That's what society tells us. Indirectly, indirectly, and directly. You know, they, they tell us, they send us these messages all the time, and you wonder why kids are afraid. This is why communication is the key. We have a son that experienced depression at an early age. He experienced depression at eight, nine years old. Why did he experience depression at that age? Because he was being bullied in school like crazy. And he was too scared to say anything because the teachers was enabling the bullying. Trauma. If you don't see the correlation between trauma and mental illness, you got to look harder because it's, it's right there. Where there's trauma that's not properly dealt with, there will be mental illness. It's almost guaranteed. My father passed away. I had to postpone uh, a, a job that I got paying most money I ever got offered in my life. Nah, I ain't telling y'all how much. <laughs> it was a lot. All right. Um, and my father passed away right when I was supposed to start. So I had to call the people and beg them, hey, can I please get an extension? They said, man, this is the last class to get you in there. I said, well... I'm going to have to pass because my father just passed away. And when they heard that, they was like, all right, we'll see what we can do for you. God is good because they made arrangements so that I could still get into that last class. I was a couple days late, but they made arrangements because, I mean, come on, now my father died. I wasn't going to miss that. However, because I didn't have time after the funeral to process that death, like 
what, six, eight months later, I almost had a nervous breakdown. Or I did. Never processed it. You think, oh, yeah, I can just keep going. You can't keep going. Eventually, you're going to have to face that. You're going to have to deal with that. You're going to have to deal with that trauma. Like I said, think about it like this. Mind, body, above, below. They mirror each other. If you get a trauma in your knee and your foot start bleeding and you don't do something about that bleeding, what you think might happen? It's going to turn into something worse. The same thing up top. Same thing up top. Right. So. Um, I'll be honest, the missus is usually the one that does the research. I did some research. Uh, and I wanted to share that with y'all. So don't laugh at my research. <laughs> but uh, on um, Washington Post, Washington Post article written May 21st last year. Um, it starts off by saying African-American children are taking their lives at roughly twice the rate of their white counterparts, counterparts, according to a new study that shows a widening gap between the two groups. Twice as much. Now, according to the census data, there are more than there are almost three times as much white people in America as black people, according to the census data. However, black children are committing suicide twice as fast as the bigger group. That says that there's a systematic problem involved. It might be social. It might be educational, but there's a systematic problem involved. There's a problem that's so big that it's affecting a whole group. Well, guess what? Racism, white supremacy affects every melanated person on the planet. Like it or not, regardless of if you accept it or not, it is what it is. Young black boys go to school and are minimalized, thrown to the side, discarded, ignored, punished, overpunished. And you wonder why they have the highest school dropout rate. Trauma. Emotional trauma. You're being told constantly, I don't belong here. Emotional trauma. I remember trauma when I grew up in a, in a household where, you know, we used to get ass whoopings. It was what it was. So sometimes my mom would whoop me. And even when I got to an age where I knew I could probably sleep mom with a right hook, right? Just thinking the thought was blasphemy. <laughs> so you wouldn't even, you, like your mom, my mom could whoop me and I would never even consider hitting back. But guess what? Emotions gotta be expressed and trauma gotta be dealt with. So when I went outside the house after that butt whooping, if you said the wrong thing to me, if you gave me an excuse to vent that anger that I couldn't vent inside the house. Now you see how you get instances like we have in our community, right? There's missing fathers. I had a, I mean, my father wasn't there when I was a teenager. We were in two separate countries. He was, he wasn't there. I'm not blaming him. I'm just stating a fact. He wasn't there. So I didn't have that fatherly influence there. 
you know, in a two parent home, if one parent does something to the child, guess what the child more likely does? They go to the other parent and vent. There's an outlet there. With me, it was just me and my mom. So, you know, if she said that's what it was and I didn't agree, there was no venting. Go outside and and get it off your chest. Right? So, I'm not the only one that grew up in a home where butt whoopings was common. Most people, I'm 38 years old, be 39 this year. Most people that were born around the time I was born grew up with butt whoopings in, in the household. And I, I had, um, I grew up in a West Indian household, so it was a very unique, uh, <laughs> it was a unique flavor to those butt whoopings, right? Cause you caught it with whatever. <laughs> Literally, with whatever. You know, um, but that was trauma. They were doing the best that they knew how, but it was still trauma. Right? And when you're in a single parent household, I think that trauma magnifies. Cause if you had big family and relatives and all that living nearby, you still got the outlets that you can go talk to. Communication. If you get hurt, talk about it. Why aren't more people, why are there so many divorces in the black community? Do you understand how the pattern is the same? Is that we don't know how to process and deal with trauma. So we gonna keep self-destructing. Can't stay married if you don't know how to deal with trauma. Because at one point in time in your marriage, in your relationship, somebody gonna hurt somebody else. It's guaranteed. We're not perfect. It's going to happen. If you don't know how to process trauma, one hurt person is going to hurt another hurt person. And then the hurt just going to keep getting bounced back and forth like ping pong until somebody get off the table. And that's really what it is. But if somebody can grab the ping pong ball and be like, wait a minute, hold on. Let's just put the rackets down. Go get a bite to eat. You know, like, I like analogies because they can help convey messages. Like, yeah, like, who says we have to fight? Who says we got to combat each other? It's just a bunch of hurt people hurting people. And let me tell you something. It's okay to hurt. It's not okay to hurt other people and try to give them and blame them for your hurt. Right? Let's focus on solutions. If you hurting, if you feel like doing something destructive to you or somebody else, reach out. See, one thing that I respect my buddy for is that he reached out. He knew he was losing his, his, uh, his, his ability to make smart decisions. <laughs> right? He knew that. And he knew I was someone that could talk to him. So he reached out. I'm so glad he reached out. I'd rather you reach out to me at three in the morning than for me to hear the next morning that you're dead or in prison. Call me. Right? Another thing about mental health. How many times do we reach out to our friends? You see your friends start acting out. You've been friends for a long time. All of a sudden, your friends start acting out. Acting strange. Like a mother. <laughs> right? I know this kid's probably watching Melanated Universe. So I try to keep it PG. But 
something, this person that you know deeply is just behaving differently in a drastic way. You, I call them, but they ain't answering. Well, go see him. What's wrong with you? Go see him. Do you know mental illness is scary as hell because you become a prisoner inside of your own mind? The same thing that's hurting you is telling you and convincing you in your own voice that the danger is in telling somebody else what's going on. Show up. Knock on the door. I tell my friends all the time, listen, if I call you more than three times and you don't answer, I know where you live. I'm going to show up. Stop playing. If you don't want me to show up unannounced and send me a text back or something, don't play with me. I don't got a lot of friends. Just keeps makes life simple. I got a lot of associates. But if I call you my friend and believe, if I call you and I don't hear you, and I'm all right, well, maybe they're busy. I'll call you, you know, later on that day or maybe the next day and I don't hear you. I don't get a call back. I'm going to show up at your house probably. You know, when I was acting out, you know, um, when I was, uh, you know, uh, before I realized I had PTSD, and you know, also I was I was also processing uh, my father's death. I was acting out. I, my character was very different. I became someone else. That's just hurt expressing itself. Not making excuses for it. I'm telling you what it is. So, you know, once I came out of that zone through, you know, the, the, the support of my, my loving family and wife and going to some serious therapy for a couple of years. Yeah. I was able to see, I was able to, to, to bring my behavior into focus. You know, my past behavior and the focus. And then the next hard part is, shoot, I got some apologizing to do. <laughs> right. And, you know, everybody ain't going to want to take your apology, you know, but it, 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 it's something that, you know, needs to be done. It's scary. And you go out and you do it. And, and we, why am I saying all this? Why am I exposing myself like that? Because somebody else out there might be going through now what I was going through then and they need to hear that. Hearing that might be the only thing that stops them from blowing their brains out tonight. Okay? Now, there's there's so many options. You know, there's the suicide hotlines. And uh, right now, uh, I can't find where I had it, but I'm about to pull it right back up. And we're going to... I'm going to give you guys the National Suicide Hotline. All right, here we go. National Suicide Prevention number is 1-800-273-8255. 1-800-273-8255. National Suicide Prevention Hotline. Now, if you Google search that, they also have a chat. In case you don't feel like talking, maybe you just want to text or, you know, through, through some kind of messenger. That's available too. They don't know you. So once, the way I look at, the way I look at therapy, right? This is how I look at therapy. You have something rotting inside of you. There's an emotional event that you have not processed yet and it needs to go and it's just stuck. So when you got food that's stuck in the house, it rots, it stinks, right? So it's just stinking. You got to put that garbage out. 
I'd rather put the garbage out with a stranger than with somebody I know. Why? Because I ain't got to see the stranger again. <laughs> All right, I don't got to live with the stranger. But I know once I put the garbage out, I feel better. Right? So even if it's, if you don't want to tell people that you're close to, there's a lot of groups. There's a lot of support groups. If you call that number, they'll give you all kinds of support groups or directions to. Yes, I know it's difficult. Especially if you're melanated. I know it's difficult. But this is why we creating now communities that'll make sure that our children don't have to face them same decisions. Because if we rebuild our communities, and I'm not talking about neighborhoods, because a neighborhood is just that. It's a bunch of houses next to each other. That's your neighbor. I'm talking about communities, people that help build, help educate, help secure each other. And they have uh, uh, something, some some big underlying uh, commonality. But well, we know what ours is, we melanated. So we provide the, the, the networks, we provide, we build that 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 safety net. <clears throat> I can't stand what the schools are teaching today. I think the environment in school is very um take ownership for nothing, blame everyone for everything type of message. And that's a very that's a very destructive message because if you're taking ownership for nothing, blame everybody for everything, right? How, how can you be held accountable? How can we get better? And see, that's the message they want to put out there to our children. That's why I'm grabbing the wife homeschool, right? And, since we've homeschooled our children, let's go back and talk about that depression, right? That my son had, right? Homeschooling, his confidence level, he's only been homeschooled now for about what? Three years? His confidence level has skyrocketed. He looks you in the eye when he talks to you. He will actively go out and meet new acquaintances when we're in public. This is a 180 degree turn from the, from the boy I knew three years ago. <clears throat> but they tell you that, oh, you should send your children to school to socialize. Well, what type of socialization are you doing to my son that he gets depressed at eight or nine years old? I don't want that type of socialization. I prefer homeschool. I prefer you going out to different extracurricular activities, making friends with us teaching the life skills behind the education, behind the formal academic education. Take the power back. We can't keep complaining about the same things and, and, and not willing to, to take responsibility because until we own it, we can't change it. Until we accept that we play a role in it, then we can't own it. The hardest thing to do is to see where you played a role in everything in life, even the things that some you think someone else did to you. I didn't gain power over my thoughts and my life in general 
until I realized that I had to accept responsibility for everything. Everything. That that idea made me so uncomfortable. I had to res- accept responsibility for everything. So you go, oh, so sometimes, and, and I used to use the same excuse, but what if somebody just out of the blue, just you walking down the street and somebody just run up and, and hit you in the head and rob you? Who decided to walk down that street? <laughs> right? So, like, at some, I'm not, I'm not victim blaming. I'm saying that when you get to the point in your life, when you start taking responsibility for everything that happens, then you gain power over the things that happen because you owning it now. And when you own it, now you can change it, right? Call a family member, call a friend, call them up, see how they doing, talk just to talk. You might be saving someone's life. You might not have known they might have been sitting right there in their living room with the gun on their lap and they was taking that last drink before they went ahead and put the lights out and and, and somehow God led you to them. And then for those of you not religious, then something led you to them and, and you happen to call at the right time. That w- I don't believe in coincidences. They might have been that person reaching out into the universe. Please, before I quit, show me if this is the right decision. The universe pop into your head and say, hey, call that person real quick. Call a friend. Stop being so cold. Stop being so standoffish. Stop being so quick to want to laugh at somebody because they look like they down or they, they, they hurting or whatever that case may be. Man up. That's what it is, y'all punks. I said it. You punks. You want to act nice. You want to act like you they friend. But when they really need a friend, you don't want that type of responsibility. Stop acting like a punk. We ain't going to get free until we man up and do what we got to do. And keep doing it without nobody asking us. Because today, it might benefit you. Tomorrow, it might benefit me. A year from now, it might benefit your child. You know, like you never know who this is going to benefit. So it's best to start now. Mental illness is hereditary also. So if you have family members that are predisposed to certain um, mental illnesses, then, yeah, you should you should be. You should be very vigilant. You should take that seriously. It's kind of like if you got if you got a, 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 a high rate of cancer in your family, right? Then you're probably going to go and get your uh, your cancer checks uh, more frequently than other people. So the same thing happens mentally. Maybe bipolar, schizophrenia runs in your family. I don't know. Runs in mine. Not bipolar that I know of. Schizophrenia, yes. It's only one person, but hey, it's there. Also, another reason to get to know your family, your relatives. Get to know some of their history. You don't even know what you might be acting out. What you might be predisposed to mentally. I'm going to say it one last time. National Suicide Prevention Hotline, 1-800-273-8255. And they are available 24 hours a day. So it don't matter what time. 
You can send us an email. I'm going to tell you right now, if you send me an email because you're feeling like, you know, you, you, you need somebody to talk to when it's crunch time. If you send me an email, I may not get it right away. This is emails. They may not alert right away. But when it does come through, there's a high likelihood that I'm going to send you a message back redirecting you to the National Suicide Prevention Hotline because those guys are professionals and they know how to guide you in ways that I wish I could. Right? Doesn't matter if you're my best friend, you call me up and tell me your carburetor gone out. I can't fix your carburetor. I'm not a mechanic, but I know a great mechanic. And if I try to go do it myself, I would be doing you a disservice. Right? Same thing with mental illness. Now, the reason I talk to my buddy is because me and him have extensive history. And sometimes there's some people in life that you know that you'll listen to. Even you know it. You know it. You know there's that one person in your life that if you just all the way tripping, that's the one voice that will get through the, the, the wall and get you to listen. I don't know who that person is to you. It's somebody out there. Everyone got that one person. Well, I knew I was that person for him, so that's why I talked to him. Now, he, he didn't express to me that he was suicidal at all. But he did express to me that, you know, some things, and, and, and it, wouldn't, it wouldn't have ended up positive. So it was my job as a friend to get in there and help my friend out. Now, I don't care if you was a stranger. I'd do the same thing. How much does it cost me to talk to you for a little bit? It doesn't cost me nothing. Could change your whole life, though. No, New Yorkers, as New Yorkers, we get caught up in this, oh, I got my own thing to do. I'm in my lane. I'm tunnel vision. I ain't looking left or looking right. I can't waste time for nobody else. Well, if you live your life like that, what you put out is what you get back a whole lot more. So when you need somebody, ain't nobody going to have time for you. It's going to start to get real lonely real quick. Some people like lonely. I don't. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a people person. I don't like a lot of people. I think that might be my PTSD, but I like, it's not quantity I'm after anymore. It's quality that I'm after. See, when I was a teenager, for me, it was quantity. I wanted to roll deep. We rolled in a hundred deep. Let's go. And I realized when you have so many people around you, you have so many problems around you. And all those problems is your problems. So it wasn't quantity anymore. It's quality. I want quality people. People that want what I want. And it's not a requirement that we got to want exactly the same thing. But I mean, in general terms, you want to be successful? You want to provide for your family in a way that they, they, they could only imagine. Right? You want to see your wife smile? What? Ain't nothing wrong with that. Stop being too tough to say you want to see your woman smile. What's wrong with you? You going to let a guy like me who ain't afraid to say it take it from you? What's wrong? Because come on, say it. Communicate. Tell each other that we appreciate it. Man, woman. Woman, man. Man, man. Woman, woman. We always coming up with excuses why we got to fight each other. Well, I don't hang out with women because, uh, you know, women's just too catty and oh, I, don't, I don't hang out with this. All right. So what you going to do? Be a hermit? 
Because if you come up with an excuse to hang, to not hang out with, to not build bonds with melanated people, then where you going? Because where it is you going, they laughing at you because you don't fit. Only you think you do. And eventually that's going to cause you some trauma. <laughs> and we still going to have this conversation anyway. So make a good decision. Let's repair some bonds. Let's repair some bonds in our communities. Call somebody up. I had an aunt. I went to a program. I'm going to tell you guys about this program again. It's called Momentum Education. Momentum Education. Yeah, I said it. It did wonders. I went to this program and it's, 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 it's a program that you will, uh, uh, it, it'll, 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 it'll strip off a lot of layers, um, to help you find who, who you are and where you, where you, I won't even say where you want to be, but just find your center. Strip off layers and layers of that trauma. And they have definitely, um, perfected the way. Like, I, I, I can't understand it. I'm pretty good at explaining things, communicating things, but this process still has me baffled, but I, I'm clear about the results. I've been so free since going to uh, that program, you know, and it's intense. It's intense. You know, there's three levels. There's beginner, advanced, and, uh, oh my goodness, don't kill me. What's the last one? I can't remember right now if the missus were here. She'd have filled in the gaps. But it's three of them. The beginner's only like, what, four days? Take four days off work and and, and go see what that's like. If you want a drastic reset to the way that you think, the way that you feel, and your current life situation, go there for four days. It's right here in Manhattan. You don't got to stay there. You don't sleep overnight. Look into it. Tell them I sent you. I don't get paid. I don't. I get the reward of seeing people strip away the, the trauma and what you come out looking like on the other side. That's that's my reward. I don't get paid. I'm not a an affiliate of theirs or anything. I don't, I don't get paid. I'm doing this because I think that it's a service that will definitely, I think it's needed in every melanated community. I think it would benefit us so much in terms of our all types of relationships, just community, personal, romantic, family, like all that improves when you can improve on you. And the scariest part, the scariest thing to do is to look in the mirror. It's easy to point out everybody else's flaws. But it's so hard to look in the mirror and say, you know what, I need some work. I can improve. Because your current thinking has gotten you your current results, wherever you are in life right now. It is the thinking tools that you have up here and the limitations to them that have brought you to exactly where you are in life. So if you're in a situation in life right now that you don't like, upgrade your thinking. It's funny because we get an upgrade on our phones once a year. When's the last time you upgraded your thinking? You've been thinking the same way since you was a teenager? You ain't had an upgrade in that long? Only excuses is for people that's 20 years old. So, okay. They just came out the teens. But for the rest of you, when's the last time you upgraded your thinking? When's the last time you read a self-improvement book? 
Forget going to momentum for right now. When's the last time you picked up a book about making you better? Just ask him. As a man think of. It's a great book. People should read it. I think my people should read it as a staple. I'm not going to tell you what it's about. Go look it up. Put some skin in the game. Then we can have a discussion. But I didn't even realize that the clock was moving so fast because I'm sitting here jibber-jabbing. And I realized that we have come to the end of the show. Um, I didn't think I was going to get through it. I'm going to tell you right now, I had anxiety. I was like, man, I told the wave, I said, babe, I got this. I got this. It's light. And then on the inside, I was like, ah, what girl, what girl? But, you know, she going to see this too. And she going to laugh at me. But I tell on myself all the time. But I had it though. See, that's what it is, you know. Just get out there and do it. Get out there and do it. And if it hurt, it's because it's not strong enough. You got to do it some more till you, till you build up some strength. All right. And to everyone, um, I want to thank you guys for joining us again today, Melanated Universe. Get out there, support our community, uh, call a friend, and uh, we'll see you next time. Be safe. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.